Welcome to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Molly Herman today. Guten Tag. And we are here to talk all things food and fun on My Talk 1071. And uh, today is a gorgeous, here's my weather report, just <laughs> gorgeous. Bright, sunny, beautiful, still a little deadly. Still, still a little deadly. Did someone have some issues? Um, I might have done a little fishtailing on the highway because I like to drive a little bit fast. And Molly, of all people, knows I have a little bit of an ego <laughs> problem with my Jeep. Can, can I just say that over the years, all of the phrases that you have written that are beautifully crafted <laughs> professionally and personally that I've received, one of my favorite phrases is ego-driven parking. <laughs> That happens when you have a Jeep. There's a lot of ego-driven parking because I believe I can park wherever I want and however I want. And that's a problem. And you know what? You should do you. I Well, apparently the universe <laughs> likes to smack me down and tell me it's not all about you. And that's okay. Uh, I did get stuck. The Jeep got stuck, you guys, in a giant icy mound of snow this week. And Molly and I endeavored to dig up me out. We in tried our, real, real hard. In our pretty shoes and our, you know, all the things. And then this lovely gentleman, Chris, in a... Uh, the universe put forth Chris in his truck. And Giant pickup. He had a tow rope, which I have disappeared from my car. Because I was about to say, if I had tow ropes, you could have pulled yeah, me out. for sure. But I didn't have them. So. I mean, with my car, not me personally. Not you personally? With <laughs> your teeth? Woman, One of those, like, <laughs> those strong man things? <laughs> we both did the, if you could have seen yeah. our facial expressions yeah. right there. That was good. Um, okay, so anyway, back to food. So anyway, by the way, just this is also is a full wiper alert today. There's a lot of uh, driving with spattering and side roads yes. and stuff. Just make sure be, you have some make sure your washer fluid. Washer in there. fluid is in the car. There's my my uh, that's our PSA for the moment. Good. Um, should we talk about the James Beardboard long list that is out? Let's let's. What do you think about this? By the way, so many goodies. I know, and I, it's so hard because I feel like I still don't know how to do this in terms of. Long list, short list, award. You know what I mean? Right. In terms of like, how excited do you get? I feel like we should all be excited. Everybody should be excited. I do sure. get a little bit, you know, I get a little bit salty later when the short list comes out because it feels like, feels like they give us the long list as like a pat on the head. And then when they, they're like, okay, now go play in the other room while we do the real work of the awards. And then it gets always, it's always like, look at all of your long outside New York things. And then all of a sudden they come down and all the national awards are just New York. Well, I disagree with you a little bit because I feel like we've had some Minnesota folks, especially still in those top categories the last couple of years. Not winning. Well, but they're there on the short list. Yeah. A couple. A couple. I mean, I mean, Midwest, Best Chef Midwest is going to be there, but that's like, yes, outstanding but like outstanding chef, outstanding rising restaurant, star, wine all program, of those kind of things. Those are the ones star, to me. Like all of those. Yeah. That is, those are the ones that are the true feathers in the cap. Yeah. Because if you're in a category, you're obviously regionally you know, going to hold that area. Yeah. But then it's the other ones. Were there any that you were surprised by? Um, yes. And I will tell you that it's nothing other than, um, I was very surprised by, uh, Hyacinth. Okay. For just Ricky so Jambuno, Jambuno, uh, he got rising star. Yep. He's on the long list for rising and delicious, star. By the way, I love Hyacinth. Yes. Yes. And the Cacio Pepe, I think his, maybe his is the best in town, but I just, I don't, I'm not a rising star award for that is a little bit hard for me because it's so it is such nice homey Italian that it's um, and it's a small little place on Grand Avenue. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't find it to be anything. I'm not dying to get back there. I'm not startled by it. I'm not like it doesn't Mm -hmm. shake me out of my space. Um, 
And I think that. But does it have to? Does it I have think to for be... a rising star, I think it has to have some sort of like super bright, shiny light to it that is like, oh, that's what I think. So, and not taking anything yeah, no. away from the chef, but he did used to work in New York. So that's one hundred percent the reason. So yeah, I, was I don't like, even. I'm not even. I don't even want to pretend. I. That's one hundred percent the reason. This is why the James Beard Awards for me are troublesome because mm-hmm. I know that it's a New York based eth- ethic. It's mm-hmm. a New York based ethos of of who is who is good. If you've come from New York, you are automatically in a different category. You are automatically elevated. Think about all of the TV Food Network stars. Even let's even go to that. Why does Molly Ye have a contract? Right. Because she was from New York. If you had any other cute little person up in Fargo Moorhead <laughs> cooking hot dish, <laughs> they're not going to get a contract. But right. Molly Ye is, and I mean, God love our Amy Thielen, but she went and cooked in New York first. I'm, yeah. and I'm. This is not for me to say. This is anything taken away from these people. I'm just saying they they're, automatically have they have a New York privilege. Yeah, it is a New York privilege, an automatic recognition. Yeah, and I get it. And I mean. Lord knows I would use it if I needed to. You know what I mean? It's I use what you need to use to get to where you need to be. And mm-hmm. in those ways, especially when it doesn't hurt anybody else. I mean, just having New York connections is a smart thing. Right. I'm just saying that I want to recognize that. I want to be aware of that because then yeah. that puts there's you a, in a, There's a lens that you're looking at. Yeah, a filter. I believe it. I mean, that's my okay. opinion. That's that's what people pay me for. <laughs> you have a radio show to, to spot I your have opinion. have a radio show. <laughs> I say things. But I, and again... Ricky's food is lovely and his restaurant yes. is great. And I don't, I don't want to take anything away from him. But to me, that was the surprising moment yeah. on the list just to be, I need to go back in. I've only been once. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I, and what I hear is that it is very packed on the early side. So if you want to go, the better time is to go at like eight, you know, PM, 9 mm-hmm. PM and kind of sit at the bar. I know Lori crawl from uh, golden fig is often seen hanging out at the bar. God love her. She's always a good friend to go hang out with. Um, yeah, so that was, I mean, but then, you know, I really hope that like Jamie Malone mm-hmm. or Ann Kim or any of those ladies gets some representation as we are kicking A lot kicking of off. ladies on the list, which yes. is nice to see. Christina. Christina. I'm so excited for her. I know. She, to me, the way, like her high high, yeah. that's a rising star moment. Yep. You know what I mean? That to me is like, whoa. But I mean, there, I know there's also criteria with the amount of length of time sure. between the nomination and the opening and all that stuff. And high high is not eligible because of it's already been open for right, a couple of years. A year. but. I know. I think they just had their year. Did they have their year? Yeah. I think they might have. I think they did. Yeah. I know. So how about you? Was there any anything surprising to you? Um, on the restaurant tour list, I was a little bit surprised by because usually I guess I think of um it's usually group like a restaurant group. You yeah. know, there's more than one restaurant. Yeah. And I saw Brenda Langdon and her partner were on there for Spoon River. You know, deservedly so. She's done a lot of, of great things with restaurants in this town. I think that surprised me just because it was a single restaurant. There wasn't yeah. multiples. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, the restaurant of the year is usually yeah, and that, multiple and that's units. A, yeah. So I guess that's the thing. The long list is meant to be the nods, I think, is to be the stuff of like a hat tip. Yeah, if you will. sort of saying like, and that's like the Glenn Close nomination for the wife, you know, is really more about her career of work, right. her body of work. And maybe that's Brenda Langton's, you know, like her longevity and also the fact that she did pioneer the local food movement here and vegetarian cooking here I yeah mean, like fine dining vegetarian yeah cafe brenda people yeah. seriously so and i'm i guess the thing that i'm most excited about was popova being yes that uh, was so exciting jose alarcon being this huge talent that is in town and just a very humble beautiful cooking person yes just really excited for him to be on the list of best new restaurants 
of and he's one the, of the quieter year. chefs in town. Like yes. he is not going to be out there tooting his own horn. Um, but he is a beautiful person. He has a smile that could light up a room, you yeah. guys. Yeah. And he knows his way around that kitchen. It is amazing. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, also, also, we were just at Bachelor Farmer. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that, actually, in top two hour two. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I was going to say that they were named for uh, their wine list. Yes. And Erin Rolick is yep. their managing partner. She's also been noted as, you know, a, a really a wine professional. Mm-hmm. I think she was named wine professional of the year by like food and wine or something. Yeah, she's been getting a lot of uh, recognition lately. Yeah. So lots of good stuff. Also, Paul Hennessy, who is there, who's one of my yes. favorite humans. He's he and I have a Cabernet Franc sort of wink together. I love Cabernet <laughs> Franc and I can't seem to find like, you know, people don't want to carry it. I don't know why. Um, also, I really hope that Alma gets the recognition for outstanding restaurant in the outstanding restaurant. I would yeah. love that. And of course, you know, Alex is a former beard winner, so that helps his chances. Sure. So that's always good. I know they like to keep it in the family. Yeah. Um, here's one that we're, we're hoping a lot for is, of course, Thomas Baber of In Bloom. Well, okay. So let's talk about this because uh, In Bloom, Corner Table, Revival, all owned by the same restaurant group, Twisted Davis. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, Thomas is going up against Karen Tomlinson at Corner Table. Yeah, boss against... The helmet. I know. <laughs> so how does that play out? I know. Yeah. I so mean, Thomas it's is a the win boss. for the restaurants either way. Right. But, but it's weird. They're splitting the vote. That's the bummer. Yeah. Like, you think about that, and it's like you're splitting the vote. And yeah, so I think that's a toughie. Well, and this is Thomas's second nomination. Yeah, but first for In Bloom. First, yes, first for In Bloom, but Thomas is second. Yes. Yes, formerly he was nominated for Corner Table. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't see both of them making to the long list. I yeah. think he could for his, again, body of work. And, and also in Bloom is something different utterly than, you know, anything else anything else in the cities. Right. In the region, live fire cooking. Well, and I think Karen at Corner Table has really, you know, transformed that menu into her own. Yeah. Um, and is doing some amazing things there. Very delicious things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also very young. I mean, so to get this recognition that I think that's a it's, it's a, a really huge, huge honor and to Steve, be on that long list for her. Yeah, I agree. Stephen Brown from Tilia. I, I'm I think he should be up there for an outstanding restaurant tour, actually. Yeah. With like that, and I would rather have him up there. Not that I, I don't want. I mean, I love him competing in this part, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying he's had so much influence on so many cooks mm-hmm. over the years. And the way that we eat in this town that he should be his should be a giant award. Um, and uh, and then Daniel Danny Del Prado, you know, for uh, for Till for Martina. So we love him and Colita. Okay, well, we are going to take a quick break, you guys. That's the James Beard wrap up for us. Uh, and also, by the way, the shortlist will come out at the end of March. So stay tuned for that one. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk a little bit about some Southern cooking because we have Miss Molly in the house, and we like to get her Yeehaw. opinion on things. So we're going to talk a little bit about Mardi Gras. We also have uh, Amanda Pa coming on later, and we're going to talk about a cookbook club that is going on online that I think Weekly Dishers would really, really like um, because I can't seem to get my act together to do one here. So (laughs) you're going to love it. Uh, Also, guys, we have Ann Kim coming on at the end of the show to talk a little bit about what happened at at, uh, Young Joni and to really just uh, talk about what that means to a small business. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're on My Talk 107.1. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly-ish. Uh, I'm Steph March, I'm here with Molly Herman today. Good morning. Kitchen in the Market. Um, we are, uh, we're discussing lots of fun stuff. Mardi Gras is coming up. 
Do you I've, guys? I've did, heard something about that. You heard something about that. Um, I've heard tell. <laughs> I've done heard tell. <laughs> we're going to talk Mardi Gras in a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about some fun recipes and what you, what do you eat and drink during Mardi Gras. And so I have an interesting thing I'm going to ask you about. Anyway, so we're going to okay. talk about that in the next segment. <laughs> now you're worried. <laughs> but I want to talk about something that's very important and also so dividing for many people. But maybe up here in the North, we don't have as much of a cultural keen to it. And that's grits. Mm. Kiss my grits. Right. God, I never understood that line from Flo on Alice until like way later in my life. Never knew really what grits were because I was from the North, you know, and right? we just didn't have we don't have grits. Let's talk about grits. We can talk about grits. So what are grits, Malls? So grits are actually from corn, but it's corn that's been alkalized, right? Like, so they've been treated with lime or something like that. And then it's it's taking the hull off, so it's the hominy part of the corn. Okay. That's what grits are. If you think of how much corn sidebar is so prevalent, how are we not having tons of grits up here? I don't know the answer to that. I know. I know. <laughs> this is so interesting and to me. It's eaten in different ways across, you know, across the world. Like in the Philippines, they eat grits as a, like, sweet. Yeah, they don't call them grits. They call them... The, I, there is another word for it. It's not masa, though. It's not the no. same as masa. No. Okay. Masa is treated with lye. Yeah. Which is different than the lime. Yeah. So it's... A, it, it, and, and it doesn't take the hull off, so they're using the whole corn. Okay. And this is just the hominy part. Hominy, which is the inside. The hominy part of the corn. Okay. So that's the that's the main difference. Okay. And yeah, and other people have grits or other people have cornmeal mm-hmm. type things. I mean, all... I mean, corn Polenta. Is, I mean, that's just cornmeal. Yeah, that's what the, is that? That's the Italian sort of version of grits, but it's just using cornmeal instead of the grits part, the right. hominy part. The hominy part, the mm-hmm. white part. Really? I mean, right. like mostly. Yeah. So grits are, so in, in the South, grits are eaten not just at breakfast, or are they mostly at breakfast? They can be eaten at any meal, but they're usually more of a side dish in the South. It's not, you know, except for breakfast, you know, but then we kind of use it, you put your eggs and your Tabasco and everything in the grits. In and, the grits. And, and eat it that way. Okay. Um, but usually it comes as a side dish. It's always, if you're at a, a restaurant on the sides, there's always grits. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, like a side of grits. Yep. And is there cheese? It's like a side of potatoes. or Right, side like a mashed of, potatoes a, yeah. up here. Okay, so is there cheese situation? Is that like a, is the cheese in the grits, cheesy grits? Is that a thing that is like a new thing? Is it an old thing? Is it only like some areas? Is it regional? I will say that I grew up with cheesy grits. You did? I did. So it was not uncommon. Okay. However, I'm sure that that was a more recent addition because you know, cheese was more expensive. True. I don't think they would like just put it into grits. Right. Um, That's maybe you know, more of a, the day. a foodie affectation. Yeah. Um, but I also think that when you go to, and when you go to a real like hometown Southern restaurant, yeah. Um, the grits are going to be plain on the side. And okay. now they probably might have the option for you to add cheese, Yeah, but they were always plain. They on were always the side. plain on the side. Yeah. Now, the big thing that I think the Northerners think of is shrimp and grits. Yes. And was that a meal that you ate as a kid or some? I mean, it was, if it's a low, considered low country, like South Carolina low country, because yep. mm-hmm. um, they had a lot of shrimping there on the on the Gulf Coast. Um, and I grew up on, not the Gulf Coast, they were on the, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. You they were on the Gulf on the Coast. Coast. That's where you lived, That's Molly. where I lived. And so we did have uh, shrimp and grits growing up, uh, probably not as much as people think. But mm-hmm. I actually started cooking it a lot more after I moved away. Did you really? Just because I felt like it was, uh, maybe it was a tie to home. I don't yeah. know why I started cooking it a lot, but yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. Shrimp and, and grits. Then, and then my son wound up allergic to shrimp. So, oh, right. So, right. So that, that ended that. But do you feel like, um, do you feel like there's, uh, a culture of, I mean, like there's shrimp and grits that show up on menus. And I always feel like I'm not talking like cultural appropriation or anything of that nature. But right. I'm just saying that it feels, sometimes it feels odd that it's there. You know, I don't know. It's, it, I just look at it as it's ubiquitous now. Yeah. Like, no, it is. I, I'm not surprised to see it on the menu. Five, ten years ago, I was surprised when I saw it on the menu and I would always order it. Now I hardly ever order it because I'm like, oh, yeah, there's their shrimp and grit dish. It's like they're a burger. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of one of those staples on the well, lot and of it's, menus. And it is definitely a regional. I think that, you know, when when chefs and cooks are looking to kind of spice things up and looking for something interesting and they look regional American, you know, that's a thing that yeah. they can sort of. Well, and it's easy and it's cheap yeah, and, it's, and that's, it's, it's easy to execute. Yeah. Um, it also hits all, all the buttons if it if you are. Uh, gluten-free if you are pescatarian but don't eat meat you know like it has fish yeah the grits are gluten-free so shrimp is expensive though though it used to i mean it might be a little bit less expensive now Well, and with the shrimp and grits you're not like piling on a lot of shrimp i think it's still yeah a few yeah it's supposed to be an accessory if you will to the grits yes um okay so then now here's another thing if your grits the difference between like runny grits or chunky and thick grits like where 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 do you fall on this category because i know this is part of the contention that's in how you cook it i know but what's your preference my preference yeah because there's people who will say well these grits were too thick or these grits were too runny and i'm trying to decide what's the right consistency i sort of like it in the middle so I, i despise runny grits there's no purpose for those except for what we might be talking about later but um the the really thick grits that stand up on their own yeah. like i like that in sort of a baked situation or like almost like a baked polenta oh, right yeah. where it holds its shape but that's not how i like to eat grits i need it to be spoonable like i don't want it to just sit there on my spoon and wobble i want i want to scoop it you want it to be a little bit more firm yeah is what you're saying yeah but not so thick have you eaten at funky grits by the way jerry brewington's not, you not should get i will go. i really really want you to go because it's lovely and he's He's a character, and I think he's great. But Funky Grits over, I think it's off of 38th. Is, yeah, it's in that South Minneapolis. Yeah, it's just, it's really, if you want to go see... 38th some, in Bloomington, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it right? That's by the old, uh, it's by C&G's Barbecue, and, or I'm sorry, Marna's. by Smoke in the Pit. Um, and by, um, there Mar- used to be a coffee shop there. That, Marla's? Is I don't think Marla, I don't know if Marla's, I don't know. Anyway, but go, yeah, look up Funky Grits, you guys. Um, and maybe we'll, I'll put a little... Um, hope put a little like put there on the Facebook page. Um, but one thing I want to talk about is grits as like a symbolic thing. I sent you an article the other day yeah. because and this all this talk about grits to me is one of those things where I so like I go in down the rabbit hole on this kind of stuff. Sure. And because of a meal that you and I had earlier this week, and we're going to talk about that later, um, it got me thinking all these of teases. They yes, so I know. Gonna, I know. Keep there really listening. is no later people. Keep we're just listening. like putting it off. Right. But I was thinking about how the fact of, you know, uh, these comforting things and how we look to a warm bowl of something as a comforting thing. Mm -hmm. And we look to it in times of not just cold, but we look to it in times of, you know, when your soul is hurting and when you are feeling down and you look, we look to eating a warm bowl of something. It's like a blanket for your insides. It is. It is. And I have to tell you, there's a there's an article on Vice on Munchies. Uh, that his talks about how grits got weaponized against cheating men. And you guys, this is a good read. Did you read it? <laughs> I did. I did read it. You and don't I, have to read and I have thing. to say, even having grown up in the South, this was not something that I'd ever heard of. Yeah. You know, it's it's very much, a, I think, a cultural It is. It thing. is. It is black women. It's yes. mostly black women. But, but also what I would say, I mean, 
and and there's a lot of cultural references. You know, Al Green and yeah. uh, Tyler Perry referenced it in Medea, which I want to say when I read the just the title of the article out at work yesterday to Bob Black, he uh, one of my employees, he said, "Oh." Well, didn't Medea do that? <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then there it was in the article. I'm like, well, go Bob. I know. He's up on his Medea. His Medea, right? Well, uh, there's Erin Byers Murray, who is an author of Grits, a cultural and culinary history of the South. She says, Grits aren't always comfort. In some cases, they're traumatic or even worse, used to cause pain. Within Southern African American culture, particularly, the throwing of grits is often a woman's tool of rage and domestic warfare. So I have two things to say about that. Yeah. If, if you have ever been burned by grits, you realize that this is a true weapon <laughs> because it is it, it clings to your skin yeah. and it is boiling and it, there's no good way to get it off. OK, like it is it is it a is a very full, merciless weapon. Yes. Interesting. I um, love so that. I fully understand that. My other part of this is, you know, they they cook it really long so it gets mm-hmm. nice and thick so it will stick. Yeah. Oh, and then. And then it's That's like a just sticky a bomb. Good waste of good grits. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, well, just eat it. It just they're, no. They're you worth are more so, than the man at that point. No, but it is it is it is a weaponized thing of anger, and I think yes. I love it. Anyway, it, yeah. There's an Al Green story on in there, and which I had uh, never heard about. Have I hadn't either. That? No, I had not, and I'm very interested by it. And I want you guys to read it, so I'm going to put it up there. We're not. We're yeah, going to tease a good, it. It's a good read. It's a really good read. If you're 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 in the cold and everything else, and you're holding back and looking for something, this is a good read. I'm going to put it up on the book on the fa- on the Facebook page. But we're going to come back in a few minutes, you guys, and we're going to talk about Mardi Gras and some more Southern cooking, and and more importantly, of course, some Southern drinking. So we'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this bright and clear, ringing, chilly Saturday. It is Saturday, by the way. Uh, <laughs> thanks for clarifying thanks that. Thanks for clarifying that. That's what we're doing. Um, hey, I wanted to let you know, this is, of course, kicking off Women's History Month. And of course, here at My Talk 107, that's kind of important to us. <laughs> or at least here on we- Weekly Dish, that's for sure. Uh, wanted to let you know, on the Facebook page, we do have a question up about... Um, what is your favorite cookbook? What is the favorite cookbook in your life that was written by a woman? Can be contemporary, can be historical, can be anything. We have a lot of good answers. Uh, Silver Palette cookbooks, of course, those are great. Um, Mastering the Art of French Cooking by Julia Child, Dawn says. Silver Palette cookbook, Sheila Lukens. I forgot about that one. Mm. That's a great one. Um, all of Ina Garten, of course. Um, I love this. I love Angie. She says, my grandma had collected so many recipes from Minnesota newspapers over the years. I love looking at them and her handwritten notes with edits. Oh, I just love nice. that. I know. She also says Vivian Howard, Deep Run Roots. Um, uh, lots of other ones on there. Some great, <laughs> some great ones that are, uh, that are on there. Betty Crocker cookbook, of course, the Bible. Uh, Chrissy Teigen, you know, I mean, these are all women written books. So, did anybody mention the Moosewood? Uh, Nike, well, Mary Cunningham, Fanny Farmer cookbook, by the way. Woohoo. Um, I haven't gotten through all of them, but no, doesn't New Basics cookbook that was the Sheila Lukens one, right? Honey from a Weed. I don't know that one, Whipley. Honey from a Weed. I don't know that one either. I know. Who's the that was, I don't know, John Whipley was the one who suggested it. So, we got to go look back at that. Hmm. Um, okay, so anyway, it's up on the Facebook, so definitely answer, you know, feel free to go in and throw in your two cents on that one. Mine, of course, I was telling Molly earlier, is How to Cook a Wolf by MFK Fisher. And she is just, she is my writing idol. And in fact, let's not be surprised if we have a segment about this coming up because I love her and her writing and her way of seeing food was a thing that actually changed me Mm -hmm. and made me want to be who I am today. So 
We're going to talk about that. Okay. Uh, okay, so Mardi Gras. Hey, it's coming up on Tuesday. Again, up in the north, we don't have a huge Mardi Gras tradition. <laughs> it's kind of hard to dance in very little clothes to get beads it in is. this weather. It is. It's a little bit silly how much we don't. I mean, we just don't have. I'm, you know what? I'm okay with that. I know. Like the Fat Tuesday thing, you know? Mardi Gras, of course, is the celebration of the... Uh, End of, of Lent. It's the end of... No, it's the beginning of Lent. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, but the party before. The sorry. party before Lent. It's it's basically... Yeah, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. Yep. It happens, happens on the Tuesday before Ash Fill Wednesday. Up. Fill on up. Yep. So you want to like get it all together and throw down and have all the fun and do all the things so that... Because starting on Clearly Wednesday... I was not a good Catholic. You were not a good Catholic. <laughs> I was not Catholic at all. Right. <laughs> But on Wednesday, you're supposed to send, you know, it's the whole thing of like, what are you giving up for Lent? Right. What are you going to, what are you going to take out of your life to sort of sacrifice and be more austere? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, in this show, we don't like to talk about giving things up. We like to talk about adding things to make our lives better. Do you know anybody like in your life that re- like yes. just very religiously gives up yeah. stuff for Lent? I do too. Yeah. And I'm always amazed. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call him out. Do you know Manny Gonzalez from mm-hmm. Manny's Tortoise? Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny just is a little bit of an overachiever with Lent. Is he really? And so he doesn't give up one thing. He usually gives up like three or four things. Oh, wow. And I'm like, Manny, that's just, that seems really hard. Like he'll give up, you know, alcohol and bread and like sugar I, and <laughs> swearing. I'm like, wow, that is. I might try to give up swearing as much as I have been. I just have been like, I'm off. sorry, you're not going to make it. I know. I just really, <laughs> I have such a slicey way of speaking sometimes. That's just the way. It, and not on the radio, obviously, because I you don't want to pay the fines. Yes. But. Um, I tell you, I've been thinking about it lately and I'm like, if I gave up one thing to sort of better myself, to sure. sort of tune in, I mean, trust me, I unpack myself every day and be like, what can I do better? Right. Or how can I, you know, be, how can I evolve into a better human? But to me, it's less about taking things out as in adding good things in. And so maybe I would rather see Lent as doing more good deeds than taking vices oh, I away. I like that idea. Don't you think? I, like I think the idea. world would be better if we focus more on, because if you do more good deeds, then you're kind of acing out the vices anyway. You know, you're kind of like well, spending more if you're time. Keeping score that way, yes. I, but. Mean, I would like to. <laughs> I would really like to. But I think in bettering, uh, helping make life better for somebody else, you're also bettering yourself, right? I think, I think it's. I'd rather put good into the world, and yeah. I mean, I'll work on myself all the time. But I'm saying for this period of time, if I could plug a couple parking, I mean, you can't plug parking meters anymore because Not it's anymore. all digital. But I mean, if I could do a couple things like helping people out of, you know, the other day we were sitting at. Uh, a place we were sitting at a bar, uh, a family, a couple families having burgers, mm-hmm. and there was a man trying to. The, guy, the band was starting, and there was a guy trying to wheel his amp in, and Jake immediately jumps up and mm-hmm. runs outside and tries to help the guy mm-hmm. with the amp. And I was like, "That's why I, I need to be that. Like, yeah, I need to remember be a good human. Be that. Go help people. Do those mm-hmm. things. Don't just watch as we rest of us were doing. Anyway, so <laughs> not to get preachy because sometimes we get preachy on wow. the show. That was a rabbit. Woo, Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Let's talk about partying let's talk about now. partying though. That last day before we get better, let's get worse. Is basically what Mardi Gras is. Yep. Um, we do have Let a, it all out. We have a close friend who lives... We have a couple close friends who live in New Orleans. Yes, we do. And uh, they are definitely going out to all the parades and doing all the fun stuff down there, which is fun to see. But I also... Mostly, I want to know what to eat during Mardi Gras. Well, and I think a lot of it is traditional stuff, you know. And I, I went to school in Tallahassee at Florida State, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from New Orleans. And I will say, I actually never went to Mar- New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Did you really know? It was... 
a madhouse. It, it was crazy. Like in it's like new it's like Times Square on New York. Yeah, and York, trying to get a hotel room and like squeeze twenty people and what you know, no. It was we went other times. Okay. Right. Which is still a party in New Orleans all the time. It's always a party. There's no such thing as it, it felt like Mardi Gras to us, let yeah. me just tell you. Um but you know, I think the traditional thing that everybody knows is king cake. Yes, right? king cake, and I had some the other night. Did, oh yeah, because you went to the handsome hog thing. Yeah, I did, and it was really good. King cake is just a sort of like a cinnamon rolly type dry, like a biscuit cake in a weird way. I think of it. Yeah, like a scone. It's actually it feels like sort of like a scone, or at least this version. Did. <laughs> I was like, well, mm. I know maybe not, but it's sprinkled on top with like purple and you know. The, yeah, it usually the, has some garishly colored yeah. icing, which is like purple and green and white to and you know, Mardi Gras. Yeah. Um, but there's a, a little plastic baby buried inside, which is supposed to be uh, baby Jesus. And yeah. if you get that in your slice, you have luck all year long. All year like long. That. Right. Um, I have a side note about the little babies. Yeah. I, we had had a Mardi Gras cooking class, I guess, a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And we had a ton of those little, little babies, babies. That we ordered, you know, because you can't order one little baby. No, from, no, from you need Amazon, a bag of babies. You get a bag of babies. Yeah. And at our Memorial Day party, uh, Lori Bamer and Michael Lehman hid babies all over my house. Oh, God, did they really? And I don't think I found them all. I'm sure you have not. No. So, Lori, There's if you could tell me the come. other hiding places, I would appreciate that. That would be great. Uh, I do love the king cake idea and you can sort of make whatever cake you want. You know what I mean? In my mind, you can make, it doesn't, you don't have to follow a specific recipe. You can kind of make whatever you cake mm-hmm. you want and stick babies in. And then like, just as long as you frost it the way, you know, with the colorful, the purple, green, yellow, yeah. and white. And I think, you know, other traditional foods, obviously the muffaletta sandwich is very popular, um, especially at this time because Mardi Gras, you're like walking around and that's a handheld. There's not a lot of handheld stuff. Right. Except for po' boys, po' boys, the muffalettas and beignets. The yeah. rest of it is like, you know, jambalaya and etouffee. Like you need a fork. and Yeah. So some of those handheld stuffs are really popular during the the parade right. uh, events. Um, but, you know, jambalaya, etouffee, all that. You know, you're going to see all of that. Crab cakes. Crab cakes. Crab cakes. Remoulade. You got to have the remoulade sauce. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. They're talking about dirty rice. They're talking, you know, dirty red beans rice. and rice. Beignets. Oh. We had beignets the other day at uh, Handsome Hog. That was so delicious. I grew up on dirty rice. Did you really? I did. That's a thing. Um, someone put up Cajun shrimp mac and cheese. I don't, I mean. That seems like a newer. That seems like a. A newer mashup. Stretch, if you will. Um, I love this idea, though, of, um, sorry, I have to scroll back. Okay, so pancakes, because it is also mm-hmm. called Shrove Tuesday. Correct. And that what that means is Shrove Tuesday is sort of the reference to, actually, it's the English tradition, because way back in the day, you had to use up, because you were going into this thing where you had to be more, you couldn't really, I mean, it was austere more, yeah, it was eating. more austere, so you had to get rid of, like, your eggs and your butter and your milk, and so they made pancakes, mm-hmm. and they had this whole thing where you had to, like, run them to the church in England. And on, on, you know, Shrove Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so there's, so they have all these like pancake runs everywhere. Well, and they do have like, I, I remember seeing pancake breakfasts, you know, yeah. a lot. Yeah. The pancake run, not so much. Yeah. But, no, you know, in England they have. People don't like to run in the South. It's <laughs> in really hot. In the South, hot. not so much, right? Hot and humid. Uh, you just stroll. Yeah. No, there's, uh, yeah, it's, um. Yeah, it's marked by feasting and celebration. And I was trying to find if there's a run around here that you could find. But there are definitely pancake breakfasts on Tuesday that you can go to. I know one's at St. Joseph's in uh, Minneapolis. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's, 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 uh, it's one of those weird sides that doesn't seem like Mardi Gras in the South, but we've sort of decided Mardi Gras is Southern. 
It's not. No. Obviously, the whole Lenten thing is not. Right. But it is. <laughs> the South did not they, own that. They did not invent, invent it. Right. I know. Um, but I think if you're having a party now, let's talk about something really important to me, okay. which is bourbon. And uh, <laughs> there's something in throughout New Orleans in the Deep South called Milk Punch. Yes. And this is just a lovely thing. And a reason that you should be happy is it's just milk, sugar, bourbon, and vanilla. That's it. And you know who makes a really good milk punch, or she was? Uh, is it Relena? Oh, Miss Relena? Yeah. Oh, she's at Whiskey Inferno, and she's with all those. I they have one on their menu, but she did a milk punch, a clarified milk punch. Oh, well, that's and I'm a not exactly sure. I mean, it was elevated. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what she did, but it was gorgeous. Yeah. They're doing a lot of clarified milk punches in town. I mean, I don't know anybody. I mean, I know they've seen them on menus, okay. which makes it, which then strips out, it just strips out the f- solids, you know, and the fats, the way they do it. So that right. it's like, it's clear. It looks like a, like a, like a water cocktail mm-hmm. kind of a thing instead of a milky cocktail, but still has that sort of uh, creamy taste. It's weirdly yeah. creamy. Um, but I do love the fact that a milk punch is uh, just really simple and it's, it's so strange, but it's a lot of ice. It's very chilled. It's a little bit like eggnog, but not as thick. It's and not weird. thick at all. Like, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't taste thick. No. It sounds like just, it would yeah, be. I don't, I don't know what it is about my German mother and her. She used to give us like bourbon milk. <laughs> Around the holidays, that explains I don't so know. much. <laughs> All she our answers so mad right at me there. for saying that, but I don't. It's not like it was like I was a baby being weaned on bourbon milk. I'm just saying that kind of sounds that way. I know. Like she had, <laughs> she was drinking like a milk bourbon thing, and I loved it. And I, that may have been the beginning. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> y'all, hope Should you we talk about the, Lent again. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Have a good Mardi Gras. It's coming up and it's going to be fun. And we um, do have a link from Southern Living to like oh, you some. Do? Re- I, yeah. I okay. You said it Did you put it on the grid? Did not put it on the grid. Okay. It's on. You'll find it. We'll find it. We're going <laughs> to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you have any questions, any comments, concerns, give us a call. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back to the Weekly Dish. We are so glad to have you this morning. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, you guys. So feel free to give us a call, 651-641-1071. I want to remind you that we have Molly Herman here, who is a trained chef. So she answers questions. If you're thinking about making something this weekend or doing some, you know, pre-Lenten cooking. Pre-Lenten, wow. Uh, yes, I answer most questions. You do. I reserve the right to not answer. So you reserve just the in, right. Just to, in cases. Right, just in cases. It's possible. Um so, yeah, so we have that going on. So give us a call, 651-641-1071. You can also give us a little tweet uh, or, you know, send us an email, although it's harder sometimes to get the emails during this portion of the show. So feel free to go ahead and give us a call. Um, okay. So, hey, we have uh, some Iowa Road Trippers listening to us, by the way. So, hey, oh, ladies. Hi. Woot, woot. They're driving down to Iowa to go visit... Uh, the Top Chef winner, or not winner, the Top Chef contestant from Iowa. He's hosting a dinner. Justin Sutherland and the gang, they're all going down to cook. It's really cool. When we were at the Handsome Hog this last weekend, or this last week, um, watching the show on Thursday, it is so cool to watch them all like really like each other. And, and it's, it's not so much contestants, you know, they're not competing right. as much as they are. So created this really cool friendship, I think. Yeah, I think it's also, well, and this was recorded how many yeah, months, months ago, ago, right? Summer. So the fact that they're, 
you know, I know that there's some promotional stuff that they have to do, but the fact that it sounds like they all keep in touch and it, it seems like a tight group. And it feels like they're doing this all on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and maybe there's something to say about the fact that it seems like we have a nice Midwestern center of the country clump, you sure. know, between so Kentucky and accessible yeah. to get to everybody. Yeah. And that I guess Alabama's not. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Let's just, just go down. I know. Yeah. Did you watch the show last week? I did not. Okay, I was so I working. Sorry. All right. We do have a call. We have Leah on the line. Hey, Leah, what's going on? Hey, ladies. So I have a coveted date night with my husband on Friday. We are new parents and can't wait, and we scored a reservation at Spoon and Stable. But want to, yeah, I know, but want to find a place to have drinks ahead of time. Any recommendations? Easy. Go ahead. <laughs> Marvel Bar. Yeah. If you want to try, okay. go across the street to the Bachelor Farmer, their basement bar, Marvel Bar. That's kind of a cute, it's still such a great bar. It's been open for a bunch of years now, and it's just basement and cute yeah, and cool. Yeah, and you know, it's it's sexy and feels kind of speakeasy, and there's like these, you know, when we were there the other day, there's these like wean-back chairs that sort of curve in, so you feel like you're in your own little space. Yeah, they have space. And it's kind of dark and lovely, and the yeah. cocktails, of course, are par excellence. Lighting is great for a date. Yeah. If you want to go somewhere it. a little bit more glammy, maybe, I would say I would go around the corner to Monte Carlo because you kind of can't go wrong okay. with a stiff, you know, martini from Monte Carlo. Yep. Served and that's by, like old school throwback. Yeah. yeah. So it depends on if you want to go it. modern or old school. Okay. Well, I love anything sexy. I need to feel like a wife, not a mom. So I oh. think I'll go with Marvel. Thank go you. Go Marvel, girl. Good. Enjoy. Have a good time. <laughs> I love that. That's a good idea. Yeah, we actually popped into Marvel before we were upstairs at Basher Farmer mm-hmm. this last week. And it was, um, again, it was one of those things where you're kind of like, you haven't been there in a while. And you sort of feel like, why? You know, I got to get back to some of these places. Well, and you know, I it felt like it had been a long stretch that I hadn't been to Marvel. And then I, I think I went probably a couple months ago. Yeah. And I, it, yes, it reignited. And when you wanted to meet there, I was like, oh, yeah. I know. Just kind of you had the Oaken Shield, which is actually one of my favorite drinks. It is drinks. so good. I don't like a lot of sweet whiskey drinks, yep. and that one is just the right balance of sweetness. Well, and it was not, It was a cold night. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, mm-hmm. it's still cold. Hello, Minnesota. Uh, snowy, and, all, and it was the perfect little warmer. Yeah. No, that's Although I good. always have a hard time not ordering the Olivetto there. Too which is true. not on the menu, but it, they will but still they make will it make for it you. But they will make it for you. Okay. Delicious. By the way, 651-641-1071 if you want to give us a call or send us a text or whatever. Um, so the other thing about the Marvel Bar that I remember is that a lot of people were intimidated. You know, some people had said that they were intimidated to go. They didn't know what kind. And they would feel weird if they wanted a cocktail that is off the list kind of oh. a thing. Like, so a martini. And I will tell you that I, one of my favorite martinis is from Mar- Marvel Bar. And it's just, they just know how to make drinks, you guys. <laughs> the bar staff are so talented there. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been working at this for a long time and honing a craft, right? And right. it's not that they don't, won't make you other no. drinks. They just want you to see all the other good stuff that they have too. What I like too is that they are serious professionals down there yes. in the way that you go. And I'm not saying that other bars aren't. I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of times we go places and you're in the bar and it just feels like they're just trying to get your drinks before you go off to your dinner. Like it's not about right. like this is a specifically self, you know, contained experience. They are the professionals serving you. Their drinks are that, you know, that form of eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. It's its own thing. It's a significant moment. And that's yeah. what I like about it. I think it's great that way. Yeah. And it feels like you're, you're, you're shut away from the world. Yeah. And it is. And it, because there's no food there, I know that a lot of times people were, you know, there are points of time where you're like, dang, I need more than Cheetos. But 
And this, maybe that's just not the bar for you at the moment. Right. right. And that's my point is like, in a way, having that, you know, that sort of singularity to it, like yeah, this is where you come for mine. your cocktails. If you need a couple of Cheetos or like some gorp, that's fine. But this is not the moment where you're sitting and eating chicken wings and all the other and stuff. staying all night. Yeah. Like, that's what I like about it. And they, I like that about uh, Eric Dayton and, and the gang is that they stay... They stay true to, they're successful at it. Yep. They stay true to their mission and they're successful at it. Yeah. So it's one way to create turnover in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to have well, a lot yeah, of Because you can't stay forever. <laughs> Although I have lingered quite long at the end of the evening more than ever. I mean, more than in the beginning of the evening. Well, sure, because you've already eaten and. Right. Yeah. And you end and it's up. It's a cozy there. place. And it is dang cozy, you guys. Just because you have to enter by the garbage pits is not a big deal. <laughs> don't let that deter you. Please don't let that deter you. Um, okay. So. Uh, also, you guys, 651-641-1071, you have a few more minutes to call in if you are. I know that everyone is trying to keep warm. I know that everyone is sick of the cold and, and sort of like, uh, you know. I'm not. I, I Here's the deal. Today is a sunny day. I am down. I can handle all of the, you know, winter dreck as long as there's sun. That's what and, Keith says all the time, too. Yeah, I don't care about this. I don't. And of course, yes, shout out to George and Dave, my two neighbors who plow my driveway for me. Yes. <laughs> so love them like more than ever. But... You know, what I want to say is that you guys, restaurants are hurting right now. And so getting mm-hmm. out and doing good things, uh, even just going and sitting at a bar for a couple of hours and having an appetizer and a drink helps so much. So, well, and I will say I was actually surprised. And I know that there are restaurants that are hurting and there's some neighborhood places that are actually doing a little more booming because Staying it's close. walkable. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And we went into Bullshorn last Friday night, I think, and I was expecting it to not be busy and we had to wait for a table. Like wow, a awesome. good long while, you know. So I feel like Bullshorn, by the way, has uh, a little bit of zeitgeist in the under. I feel like they're in the zeitgeist, a little bit of buzz in the zeitgeist. I feel like there's a Bullshorn buzz going on. Okay, like like not, you know. I mean, we talk about their meat raffles. We all know what it is and right. who they are. But I'm just saying, I feel like there's an undercurrent of it's the coolest place to hang right now. Well, clearly because I go there. Well, it's two blocks <laughs> from your house. Okay, fine. Seriously. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a great show for the second half of the hour, you guys. We have Amanda Pa talking about Cookbook Club, and we have Ann Kim is going to call in and talk a little bit about Young Joni. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish.